Welcome to Linda's Corner. My name is Linda Bjork, and today we're going to be talking about the story of a life-changing song. I'm delighted to welcome special guest Dave Combs. Dave has written over 120 songs and recorded 15 albums of soft, soothing, and relaxing instrumental music that has touched the lives of millions around the world. He is also the author of the Amazon best-selling book, Touched by the Music, How the Story of Rachel's Song Can Change Your Life. You can reach Dave at his website, combsmusic.com, and I'll include a link in the show notes. Welcome, Dave. I'm so glad that you could join with me today. Thank you, Linda. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm looking forward to this. I am, too. When I read all of these wonderful things about Rachel's song, I had to hear it for myself. And so I looked it up, and I got to see a video of you playing it, and I thought, oh, I think I have a new favorite song. It is beautiful. It is moving. So I am excited to hear the story about how it came to be, why it's named Rachel's song, and and all the things. Well, it was written by me in 1981. Might have been a little, might even before you were born. I'm not so sure. But, uh, well, you look mighty young. So. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it was written in 1981. And I was 33 years old at the time, had never written a song before. I've been playing the piano around music all my life, but never written a song before. And I sat down, and that time I played this song. And it was not a song I'd ever heard before. It was not something I sat down and said, I'm going to write a song. I just sat and played it. I cannot explain it except that it was had to be an inspiration and had to be a gift to me from God. I, that's the only way I can explain it. I played the whole song through. It hasn't changed. It's still 40-some years later. It still hasn't changed at all. Same song. It had no name. It just was a tune that I played. I didn't even think about it, really, until my wife came home from work a couple of days later, and she says, Dave, what is the name of this song that I've had stuck in my head all day long? And she hummed a little bit of it, and I said, well, Linda, and her name's Linda also, and Excellent. I said, well, Linda, it doesn't have a name. And she said, what? I said, yeah, I just made it up, I guess. And she said, wow, have you written it down? I said, no, I've, I've got it up here. I won't forget it. And she said, well, you better write it down. Something might happen to you, and that song would be gone. So you write it down. I said, yes, ma'am. Okay, so I wrote it down on a piece of paper, chords and the melody, and put it in my piano bench. Well, that was in 1981 in January. Two years later, some good friends of ours have a little baby girl named Rachel, and they asked me and Linda to be her godparents. So we agreed, of course, and uh, at her christening service, we're sitting there in this private service in a little country church, and up at the front of the church on the platform is a baby grand piano sitting right in the middle of the platform. And so I'm sitting there with hearing all this wonderful words being said about little, little Rachel, and toward the end of the formal part of the service, I punched Linda and I said, Hey, what do you think about me playing this little song I've written now? It seems to be an appropriate place to play it. She said, Great idea. So I went up and asked the family, of course, and the minister if it would be okay if I played a little song on the piano. And they said, Yes. Went over to the piano, sat down, and I played the song. And it sounded so wonderful in that church. And I got almost all the way through it, and I hear this <clears throat> clearing her throat. And 
some sniffles going on, and I noticed my eyes were getting a little moist, and, and it was very emotional. When I finished playing the song, I looked over at little Rachel in the arms of her mother, and I said, from now on, this song will be called Rachel's Song in Her Honor. Tender. So that is how it got its name, and it was just, oh, it was perfect. Well, you know how tender and precious a christening service can be anyway, and you layer on top of that the music. It was just such an emotionally wonderful time. Well, that emotion apparently still stays with that song, even to this day, because you roll the calendar forward another three years in 1986, I'm traveling with my job and with AT&T and Western Electric in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm having to work there during the week. And so it's, as you know, Nashville is Music City, USA. So Linda, my wife, says, why don't you go and get a demo recording made professionally of Rachel's song, something that we could have and you know, give a copy to, the, to Rachel's family and everybody can enjoy it. Okay. So I get in my rental car one evening in Nashville. I drive over into the part of town called Music Square, where everything in that two-square block area is music. It's got the Country Music Hall of Fame. It's got BMI headquarters, ASCAP headquarters, and the RCA recording old studio that you can tour. I'm driving down this one side street called Roy Acuff Place. And Roy Acuff, you may remember, was a a country music famous person in Nashville. They named the street after him. And at the end of Roy Acuff Place was this big building. It had a barn-shaped roof to it. And out on the street corner was this great big music, uh, music, (laughs) was a great big mill wheel, you know, like where they grind corn and whatever, a great big uh, water wheel. And so on the side of the building, it says the music mill. So I went around in the parking lot, looked in, there's a man sitting at a desk in the lobby. So knock on the door and he unlocks it and opens the door, says, hi, I'm George Clinton. Can I help you? Now, it's a different George Clinton than everybody jumps to the conclusion of. But this George Clinton worked in a studio, recording engineer. Well, anyway, I told him that I was looking for a studio and he says, well, come on in. And so as I came in the the lobby, up on my left in this big two-story lobby was a great big life-size picture of Glenn Campbell. And over here is a big, great big picture of the group Alabama. And over here is the the Forrester Sisters. And there's gold records and platinum records all around the wall. This was a, you know, fancy, impressive lobby. So I said, wow, George, I've never been in a studio before. And he says, well... There's nobody recording right now, which is very unusual. He said, "Uh, let me take you on a tour of Studio A. Okay. So we go into this big, great big room where all the musicians are normally set up. And you could, it was a huge room. You could put an orchestra in there. I'm sure orchestra probably had recorded in there. And then they had a nine foot concert grand piano over in the corner and, you know, all kinds of isolation booth rooms around the wall and, He said, let's go into the control room. I want to show you where all the fancy stuff is. So he opens this big, thick door. It's about eight inches thick, soundproof door, you know. And so you open it up and you go inside. And first thing I see is the console. Well, if you've ever been in a studio, the console is kind of where everything is focused on. This thing must have been eight feet long. I later learned it had about 32 tracks, 32 channels, and all kinds of sliders and 
buttons and lights and everything. It was impressive. And around the wall was all these recording machines and then big, huge speakers over the each side of the big glass window where you could look out into the where the musicians were. It was impressive. I told George, I said, I think you could launch a spaceship from in here. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, how much does a place like this cost to rent? And he says, well, it's $125 an hour plus engineer. Well, this is 1986. And if you roll that to today's dollars, that's over $400 a, an hour in today's dollars. Well, that was a lot. That is a lot of money. So I'm sure he saw my disappointment and he says, well, Dave, you don't worry about it. He said, the fellow who owns this studio owns a small studio across the street in a little small house, got a baby grand piano, a little, you know, a control room with maybe it'll handle 24 tracks and yeah, it, it'll be fine for a demo. And it's $15 an hour plus engineer. Ah, relief. <laughs> so that I can handle. And I said, okay, that's perfect. Now, all I need is a good musician to play, arrange, and play my song for me. And he, I said, it's just a piano piece. And so he says, okay, I know the perfect person. His name is Gary Prim. I've known him forever, and we go to church together. He's a wonderful piano player. And I'll look up his phone number for you. So we went back to his desk, and he wrote down Gary's phone number for me took that piece of paper and got in my rental car and I hightailed it back to the hotel. And you may wonder, well, why didn't you call him on your cell phone? This was 1986. <laughs> cell phones hadn't been invented yet. <laughs> the internet had not been invented yet. We didn't have email. We didn't have Google. We didn't have any of that stuff. So I had to go back to a landline in my hotel room to call Gary. Called him up, got his answering machine. 30 minutes, he calls me back. He said, hey, it's Gary Prim. Can I help you? I said, yeah, Gary, uh, George Clinton said you'd be a perfect person to do a demo recording of a song I've written called Rachel's Song. He said, I'd be glad to do that. Well, what do you need, Gary? He said, all I need is a, a piece of paper or a lead, what he calls a lead sheet and a recording of me playing the song so he'd know what it sounds like. I said, well, okay, but what's a lead sheet, Gary? He said, oh, it's just the melody and the chords written out on a piece of paper. I said, oh, I, I have that. I just didn't know to call it a lead sheet. So I was learning the lingo as I'm going along here. So I said, okay, great. And I told him about the little studio we'd be recording at. He's perfect. No problem. Got back home, sent that to him in the mail. And two weeks later, on August the 22nd, 1986, at 6 o'clock in the afternoon, I met Gary Prim for the first time in this little studio. And what a night that was. Uh, that changed my life forever because what happened that in the next two hours was just amazing. It was a miracle to me. He comes in bringing his little synthesizer, a Yamaha DX7 synthesizer that he brought with him. And then he sits that down, goes over to this little baby grand Yamaha piano and starts warming up. And I go in the control room with the with the engineer. And in no time, Gary says, well, I'm, I'm ready to record. So the engineer said, I'm ready too. So he pushes the record button on the tape recorder. And he says, we're rolling. <laughs> you know, the, 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 the signal is, all right, I've got it going. And uh, so Gary starts playing my music. Now, remember, I have never heard my song played by anybody but me. 
I had no idea what to expect. And I'm sitting there or standing there next to the engineer listening to this. And I am blown away by what I hear. Professional studio musicians like Gary Prim are amazing. They can take a song and it just sounds like a million dollars. It is unbelievable. So I am blown away. Well, he gets almost all the way through it and he stops. He said, oh, I can do better than that. So we rewind the tape and start over. This time, plays the song all the way through. Perfect. Didn't miss a note anywhere. And I thought, well, that is amazing. And if he'd have stopped right there, I'd have been as happy as I could be because it was beautiful. Gary says, I'm not done. He said, I've planned some additional sounds and music for this that will make it really sound special. Okay. So he sets up his synthesizer and he said, I want to add some electric piano to the real piano sound to make it sound fuller. And then I'm going to add some bottom and some top. I'm going to put some low strings and some high strings. And then I think I need some horns in the middle there to give it a little punch. So he said, we two more tracks on the machine and he records the electric piano part and he plays it exactly the way he played it on the real piano. Didn't it? You know, you can't even tell there's two instruments being played. It's just perfect. And I'm amazed. And then he says, okay, two more tracks, put the low strings in there, you know, like really a bass string sound. And then two more tracks with high strings like violins and whatever. And then Two more tracks with some horns in the middle at a certain selected places, and you'll hear it when you hear the recording. He puts in a, a horn sound. And I just cannot believe that this, this is just getting built right in front of my ear. I start to say my eyes, but it's really in my, in my ears that I'm hearing this. Wonderful. So he finishes that, comes in the control room, and the engineer rewinds everything, plays it all mixed together. We're standing there listening to it. And Gary said, I, that's perfect. It's exactly what I had in mind. And I said, it's more than perfect. It's fabulous. I can't thank you enough for this. So I wrote him a check for his agreed upon fee. And he got his synthesizer and heads out the door. I didn't know whether I'd ever see that young man ever again in my life. But it turns out that I would because Gary Prim and I went back into the studio Many times uh, we recorded over 170 songs over the years in the studio together. So that was the beginning of a lifelong friendship and relationship with Gary Prim. And that recording was just amazing. And what when you listen to Rachel's song, after we get through with the, the interview here, I don't want you to jump out now and do it. But <laughs> after we're finished, go to my website and push play Rachel's song. And when you... I, if you can, put on some ear, earbuds or earphones or whatever. I want you to listen to it real carefully. And I want you to hear all those instrumentations that I talked about a minute ago. You can. It starts out with just the piano part solo. Then it's soon in the chorus, you'll hear the electric piano come in with the, the melody on the piano. And you'll say, oh, yeah, I know what he's talking about now. It's a richer, fuller, just a more beautiful sound even than just a pure piano. And then you'll hear the strings come in and the, the low strings and the high strings. And then you'll hear the horns kind of emphasize part of it. And then he did something that I didn't do when I played Rachel's song. He played the melody and the, and the chorus twice in the key of C. And then for the third time through, he bumped it up a half a step to C sharp and with no modulation. I mean, it is going boom, 
up a half a step. And it's, I call it a musical surprise. It, it, it just kind of, you, you go, wow, I wasn't expecting that. And it's really powerful because it just raises the energy of the song up. And then you finish it out. And so that is, that's the story. And I hope you appreciate it. And went, I'd love for you to have been there with me in the studio. But when you listen to it on in, in the quiet with headphones, close your eyes. And I think you can and visualize being there in the studio with me hearing this. It's just a, oh, it was a life-changing event. Oh, that is beautiful. So I guess I haven't heard him playing it. What I saw right. was you playing it. So just yeah. the piano, and it was lovely. So I am looking forward to having an even a more amazing experience. Now, you got this then on the radio, and you had an mm-hmm. incredible response. And it sounds like as you mentioned, this song is inspired. It makes you feel something. It's not just a, a fun, you know, dance along, sing along song. It touches your heart. There is a feeling an, involved to it. So do you want to explain what it's like, um, w- what it was to get it on the radio and to get it out? And then I would like to talk about just music in general and how you have used this to help people. Because uh, mental and emotional health is very affected by music, and music is one of the most powerful tools anywhere to affect the way that we feel. So, if we're looking for a way to, you know, I, I don't feel good. I, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm stressed. I'm, I'm overworked. I'm frustrated. I'm scared. I'm whatever. Fill in the blank. Music is one of the most powerful, effective, go-to tools to change the way that we feel. And that is mm-hmm. so beautiful that you are part of this. Well, that you know, that was really the impetus for writing my book was the fact that, that what you just described is the net effect of the music. And it really depends on, it affects everybody differently. And it depends on your state of mind and what you're going through yourself. You may be in a happy mood. You may be in a sad mood. You may be going through a terrible time in your life. You may be going through a serious disease. You may have, a, you know, a, a stressful social situation in your home that's not not good or not healthy. All kinds of situations where it creates stress. And all of us, when we're in a stressful mood or a, a situation, need something that helps bring us back down to a calm and peace in our life. And over the years, I have had. Uh, letters and notes from over 50,000 people who have written to me with their stories, not my story, their story of how my music helped them. And I I devoted one whole chapter of my book to just some of those stories, 22 pages of those stories of how children were born to my music, uh, people were played my music on their deathbed, people were, I have about three or four people who have written to me over the years that said my music actually saved their life. And that those were, and they weren't necessarily long letters, but boy, you talk about powerful. And then there are people who've used it, you know, to get married, and, you know, all kinds of wonderful occasions. But, and there are people who have dealt with serious illnesses or even alcoholism that my music helped them get through their recovery from their, their alcoholism. I have several of those letters. And so, and that, those kind of letters started coming. Once my music got played on the radio, uh, people would hear my music. They would call the radio station, track me down, write me a letter, and w- want to know how they could buy my tape or CD of my music. And 
They'd get it and then write me these wonderful stories. But uh, I got it played on every easy listening radio station in the United States uh, back in the late 80s and 90s. And uh, basically my CDs and cassette tapes were ended up sold in lots of gift shops all over the country. You couldn't go to a gift shop in a tourist town hardly anywhere that you didn't run into my, my music somewhere. I had over a thousand gift shops that were playing and selling my music eventually. Wonderful. And it was that that enabled me actually to quit my job at AT&T and do my music full time. I was We were shipping cassette tapes and CDs out of here by the pallet load. I mean, it was thousands of them. And, uh, but it was touching people's lives and the, the letters never stopped. And I, <laughs> you probably read about my, my little article I wrote in Guidepost magazine. I did. That was in 1994. I had no idea what was going to happen as a result of that little article. This little magazine is subscribed to by over 2 million people. And when you put something in here that touches people's lives, like this little story of mine called Two-Part Harmony, which told the story of writing of Rachel's song and how it led to me being able to do my music full-time, they put my name and address and phone number in the back of the book of the magazine. (laughs) And as soon as that magazine hit the street, my phone started ringing. It did not stop. You could put your hand on the receiver and pick it up. Somebody is there. And it was that many people calling. They wanted to know how they could get their copy of Rachel's song. So, and I heard from over 10,000 people in less than two weeks once that article hit, hit the street. Wow. It was unbelievable. My mailman came bringing my mail in a canvas bag that he was too heavy for him to pick up one day. It took my wife, Linda, and I all night long. We finished at 6 o'clock in the morning finally zipping open the last envelope, just opening them, not not reading them, just open them so we could get to them. That was an amazing response to the music. And as you said, so, you know, music is powerful. Even even, Sometimes, even if you haven't heard it yet, it can be powerful. But I guarantee you, when you are in need of some, uh, some something to help solve, or, you know, put some salve on a wound or as they say, put oil on troubled waters and that kind of thing. Music can do that. And so my mission here lately, you know, I'm, I'm 75 years old. I just turned that last week. So uh, I'm, not in, I'm not retired, but I am beyond the age of having to make a career out of something. But my mission is to spread my music around, and I want people to hear it. You go to my website right in the middle of the when you first get there, it says play Rachel's song right in the middle. And when you push that button on my website and play it, you're hearing that original demo recording of Rachel's song. Not a remix, not a re, it's never been remastered. That is the original master recording of Rachel's song. So listen to the music and, and you can get a hold of me. Now you don't have to call somebody to find out where, how to get a hold of me. It's right there on my website. Just send me an email at Dave at combsmusic.com, and I read all the emails, and I answer them all, and I love to hear from people, and there's still people today that are hearing Rachel's song for the first time and being blessed by it. Today, they can hear it on Spotify and iHeartRadio and Pandora, all the, you know, Apple Music, Amazon Music, all these places that now anywhere in the world, it doesn't matter if you're here or all the way 
on the other side of the globe in Australia or someplace. You can hear it just like that. Isn't that wonderful? How yes. having it available gives every person who has a chance to hear it that same tool to help lift their heart and lift their spirit. I had another guest who was talking about trauma, and he uh -huh. talked about how trauma doesn't speak English. And he said what trauma does speak is this and this and this, and one of them is through sound. And music helps to solve those issues that are so deep that you can't even really find words to express. Uh -huh. And it's almost like magic, where you can feel better by just listening. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Uh, you know, if you've ever been in a real stressful, uptight situation where you're really so just tense, I mean, your, your nerves are like in a knot. And if you find some way to have some relief from that, it, it's, it's, it's like it's just, you're, well, like, you know, like getting into a, in a hot tub or something, you know, when, you, <laughs> when you're first in there, you just go, ah, you just relax. And it's that kind of feeling that I hope that washes over people when they listen to my music and they listen to it in the right environment where they can either put headset on or something that will kind of mask out the rest of the noise of the world. But it, it really does have a super calming effect on people. Isn't that lovely? And I loved how you mentioned, you know, we're stressed and this is something that can change it. There is, I'm sure you're aware of, uh, the stress response where our bodies go into that fight or flight mode. And there's also the relaxation response, which is when we're able to switch the lever the other way and go back into that rest and digest that parasympathetic dominant state. And to be able to do that by stopping, putting on some headphones, and listening to a song can help change everything change the way that we feel, but it's not just the way we feel. It is actually our body systems being able to turn down the level of cortisol in the body, those stress hormones, to be able to increase the level of endorphins, those chemicals that make us feel good. I mean, we're listening, but inside our body, switching back into that relaxation response, there are beautiful chemical changes taking place in our body to help us to feel good and to be healthier and happier. And isn't that lovely? What a lovely switch. It is. It's, it, and it's something, and it, part of it is even an involuntary response oh, in absolutely. your body. You, you don't even, you cannot control it. No. But it can be affected and triggered by something right. like that. And that's the, that's the secret is it, it needs the, that uh, safe response instead of the fight or flight response. Exactly. The safe response needs to be triggered by something. And I've found that, by and large, my music, I believe, can trigger that safe and peaceful response to the music. I mean, by the fact that I've gotten over 50,000 letters from people that describe that anecdotally, how that has ha helped their lives. And so that's, that's a wonderful, that's a blessing to be able to do that. It really is. Thank you for developing your gift and for sharing it. It is lovely. Is there anything else that you want to make sure that we cover before we close today? Well, uh, there's, we can, I can tell stories, obviously, all day long, but what we have talked about is mainly the subject that I wanted to talk about, and that is the effect of music on you, the listener. Uh, yeah, it affects me and it affects you, Linda, but uh, I want your audience to also have that benefit as well. And I'm not just trying to sell music. You can go to 
my website. You can listen to Rachel's song for free. It doesn't cost you anything. Just click on that link and you're listening to it. But if you like that, I do have over 170 other songs that I've recorded on my other albums. And they're there for enjoyment and listening and, and just to help you give you something to listen to peacefully that has no words. You know, my music is all instrumental. And so you can take you can do your other work while you're listening to the music as well or do creativity. A lot of people, a lot of the creative folks, painters or sculptors or musicians or uh, other people creating things, writers will put my music on and it seems to kind of be complementary to your creative process. That's really cool. Talk about a win-win situation. You can use it for this. You can use it for that. You can use it for this. And it's going to do good things for you. So, Dave, uh -huh. thank you so much for visiting with me today. Thank you, Linda, for inviting me. It's been a pleasure. For me as well. In closing, I'd like to share a quote by Johnny Depp. He said, Music touches us emotionally where words alone can't. Today, I invite you to improve your life by including excellent music that soothes the soul. See you next time on Linda's Corner. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of Linda's Corner, please share and subscribe to help us reach new listeners. I also invite you to check out my nonprofit, Hope for Healing, at the website hopeforhealingfoundation.org for free ebooks and other free resources to help increase happiness, build confidence and self esteem, strengthen relationships, manage stress, and calm feelings of depression and anxiety. I also invite you to grab a copy of one of my books, like Crushed A Journey Through Depression, or Amazon bestseller You Got This, an action plan to calm fear, anxiety, worry, and stress. See you next time on Linda's Corner.